You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in to today's Worshipology. You know, I just want to say at the get-go here, thank you for listening to this podcast. There's a lot of podcasts out there. We're so grateful for you. And uh, today it's really special because when I think of worship leader, worship pastor, worship songwriter, uh, man, Clayton Brooks comes to the top of the list. And so Clayton, welcome to Worshipology, brother. Thanks, Curtis. It's great to be on. Thanks for having me. Man, so why don't we just kind of get going here? Like, share some of your story. I mean, how did you first start um, leading worship, getting into music? Were you kind of like raised in the church, or or what was that story like for you, man? Yeah, definitely raised in the church. I, my dad was a pastor when I was born, and so I'm I'm PK through and through. Um, nice. And uh, let's see, I I didn't really get involved in worship until late high school, like senior year of high school, when my mm-hmm. youth pastor found out that I I played piano. And um, so he invited me to come be a part of the team. I was a pretty shy, introvert, still introverted person that like, I don't want to be up in, in front of everybody. But for whatever reason, uh, when I found out that they needed a keys player and, and I knew that I could probably do what was needed, I decided to do it. And um, went up and rehearsed and got on the platform and played that night and then haven't looked back. I've been a part of worship ever since, um, you know, senior year of high school. I became the youth worship leader eventually. Then I was hired on staff at the church, uh, at Oaks Church in, in uh, Red Oak, Texas. And um, that was my church since I was 10 years old. Wow. So I grew up in that church for real and um, resigned in uh, as their worship pastor in 2019, uh, which is, you know, three years ago now, which wow. is crazy. But uh, yeah, I had been there for forever and still just love, absolutely love the church and my church family back there. And now I'm sitting in North Carolina as a worship pastor at, at Calvary Church in Greensboro. Um, and I've been here all of four months. <laughs> and, wow. And Let me pause right there because that's a massive transition. I mean, growing up in a church, going on staff down there in the Dallas area. Um, what was that transition like for you? Um, and how did you know that like this is the end of a season and you're going into a new season? Because I feel like, and just speaking from personal um, story here, you know, and I've, I've told our listeners this a couple t- couple episodes ago, but kind of stepping out from uh, Nashville and moving into a new role here mm-hmm. in the Richmond area, um, just kind of feeling like, man, the Lord is kind of changing assignments, not my calling, but my assignment and giving me a right. new uh, open door here. So what was that like for you in, in kind of discovering, man, now's the time to, to kind of take this leap of faith. And then what's that process been like in that completely new environment, new church, new team, uh, and new leadership role? Well, how long do we have to, <laughs> I, we, we, we aim for half an hour. So we, we may need the Instagram version, not the Facebook story. Got it. Um, I, I assumed I, on, I'm still in the process. I feel like I'm still mm-hmm. very in the thick trying to figure it out, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, I resigned from the Oaks in 2019. Uh, and I didn't 
get this position until 2022. Right. Oh, wow. That's that's the year. And so there was a there was a good couple years there where I was just at home. Um and I think I, I think I think a lot of us were right. <laughs> right, of course, except I had no job. Uh, oh geez. I, it wasn't like, you know, leading worship online like and I, honestly, I'm kind of glad that I didn't have to deal with that season because I was not jealous at all of all of my worship pastor friends having to figure <laughs> out how do I lead this camera in worship. But, right. But I um but I was just at home and uh writing music and and um trying to figure out what's what's the path and I, what I think happened is the Lord just wanted to do a good reset for me where mm. I wasn't plugging away at week to week worship ministry at a local church but that I could just be with him and also take a kind of a a bigger picture look at the church you know and it was really mm-hmm. really healthy for me but then coming here um when when Pastor John Catron, who's who's awesome, he's a, a longtime friend. He just became the pastor at this church here at Calvary back uh, at the end of last year. And when he reached out to me about coming to help and be the worship pastor, my initial response was, "No, I don't, I love the the season I'm in with the Lord and just mm. doing the things that are just kind of more independent." Um, so my initial response was, "No," but. He said, well, we could at least just have a conversation and catch up as friends and, uh, you know, nothing to be afraid of with that stuff. That's how, that's how it always starts right there. Right? <laughs> but I figured there's nothing to be afraid of. I, I want to be where God wants me to be. Yeah. And uh, I always want to know where that is. And I always want to find out what that is. And I'm always, you know, open to the the fact that it might be different than I thought. And Wow. So why not have a conversation? And then that conversation was awesome. And it turned into, hey, you and your wife should come up just for like a weekend visit here at the church, just to hang out and get to know the team a little bit. We'll, we'll cover all the expense, just a connection, not, no commitment. And mm. I talked to her and I was like, yeah, I mean, I know this is what people do if they're searching for a job, which I'm, I'm not really. Yeah. But if it's a free trip... And, and they just want to bless us, you know, and it could just be you and me going. It was our anniversary at the same time. So I thought, why not? Oh, nice. What, what are we afraid of? Uh, and if God does put something in our hearts, wouldn't we want to know that? <laughs> so, That's um, good. so, yeah, just not being afraid of potential change. Uh, and um, man, when, when we got here, little by little, things started coming together. And I, I've been telling people that. I don't think God specifically asked me to come be here or told me that I was supposed to be here as much as just said, look, I'll, I'm going to bless you if you stay in Texas. I'm also going to bless you if you move your family to North Carolina. It's just going to look different. I, I felt wow. like the Lord was saying, in a, in a way, saying this decision is kind of in your, it's in your court. I'm going to let you make this decision. But here are some potential ramifications that you can choose from. And I, I felt kind of entrusted with it in a way, instead mm. of, hey, the writing's on the wall. This is exactly right. what I want you to do. And, and in a way, I'm kind of thankful that it didn't happen that way, because if the writing's on the wall, that means somewhere down the road, you're going to have to remember, well, there was writing on the wall for this. You know, mm. like it's going to be that tough, if that makes sense. So I... uh I'm kind of thankful that it's more of a, yeah, just 
if if you want to if you think you should do this, I'm going to bless wow. you in it. And um that's so huge because I think so many times we're like looking for the that 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 sign in the sky. We're looking for the ab- absolutely clear, there's no mistaking it. Yeah. And I think what happens when when those moments happen and and surely they do, but it's like it almost takes the faith element out of it. It almost takes the trust element out of it because like, well, well, God said it and I have to 100% go and he's he's got me when it's almost like I feel like in the same season where you know, we kind of made this this huge leap of faith and at the beginning of this year, I just felt like Psalm 37:4 was my prayer, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll grant you the desires of your heart and at some point I feel like God was just kind of speaking to my heart and saying, "Okay, w- what are your desires?" And yeah. Do you want to take this step or not? Because I feel like that's another thing too from Psalm 37, what is it, 23, that says the footsteps of a righteous person are ordered by God. So so if we just focus on righteousness, well, then he takes care of ordering the steps. Yeah. And and I think that's something that I've just seen from a distance. I mean, I've known you for about 11 years now. Um, you know, we met, uh, gosh, 2011 when we were doing the songwriting project for one, a worship collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so just kind of seeing your story and your faithfulness and, and the ups and downs and, and, you know, obviously like our personal friendship, but um, I've always noticed that you do desire righteousness. And when you do that, he orders your steps, man. Yeah. And that- so now, now you're in this new role in, in North Carolina. And uh, I guess I would ask you this in that three year gap in that three year reset, as you called it, would you say that that was almost like a wilderness season? And I don't mean that in like a, God, where are you? I just mean that in a, you know, hey, I'm pitching my tents here. This is not forever. Or, or did you not know? I had, uh, I didn't know. And I, but I, but I was really grateful. I think the first day that I actually felt like um, this, the leaf had turned I, mm-hmm. you know, I resigned, I think December 15th or something of 2019 was my last official day. Mm. Um, but it didn't feel like because we had Christmas and the holidays, the first day it felt like the leaf had turned was when I dropped my kids off at school. And then I came home, whereas I would normally go to the church for work. I came home and I sat at home up in my office and I sat there at my desk looking at an empty chair, you know, pretending that Jesus was there. And he was probably sitting there. And I'm looking at him <laughs> going, okay, what do we do? Wow. And, but at the same time, I, I, I was like, well, this is actually really, really cool. You and I uh, get to work together. Um, <laughs> not that we weren't before, but it just felt different. It felt like mm. we're about to plot a course here together. And so it didn't necessarily... In some ways, it was wilderness in that it was away from church ministry as I had always known it. I mean, I that was my whole life, man. It was like tunnel vision for me. And and tunnel vision at the Oaks necess- wasn't necessarily bad because the Oaks has huge vision. So, but, but at the same time, I'm focused on my area at one place for right. 11 years, pouring into this one spot. And thankfully... We, we were at a church where they were constantly were pouring into the next generation and developing leaders. Mm-hmm, so that mm-hmm. keeps that keeps your vision really fresh. But still, um, it's come to work, do your job. Here's what you're supposed to do and the goals you want to accomplish for this house, this one place. And um, yeah, 
So there's, that's not bad. That's just the season I had been in for years. So to step out of that into ugh, the vision, the, the vision field is now wide open. What do we wow. do? It was, a uh, it was daunting and cool and adventurous and exciting and fearful and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> and, um, but, I, but I really, uh, I don't know that I've ever felt more alive in my relationship with the Lord than going into that season where, wow. and, and you told me as much, you told me that, you know, like a few months into these tran- that transition that I would experience, um, you know, this time where I'm just really dependent on the Lord, like, I don't know what to do. Mm. And, and, uh, man, sometimes, honestly, all the time, those moments are the, are the, really the most special we have in life when we're really having to lean on him and and we're finding him and he's sustaining us you know it's good to be uncomfortable but be with the lord at the same time i guess so for anybody that's listening that might feel like hey i'm right there i am in what i would call a wilderness season i i'm in the not yet season i don't know what's coming up what's the number one piece of advice that you might give somebody, whether they're a worship leader, worship team member, or just a follower of Jesus, and they're in this um, season of waiting, what what would be the, the main piece of advice you would tell them as somebody who's just gone through that over the last few years? It would be to, uh, honestly, it would be the same piece of advice I would give anybody in any season, which is so simple and that it almost sounds ridiculous but it's just to stay planted in the word, to stay disciplined in reading scripture and in talking with Jesus, um, mm. to stay devoted to that um, because that's your, that is your foundation. And so no matter what's being built and when, and, and you know, cause the things that you're building, they change over time. Now I'm working at, on this ministry here at Calvary Church in addition to other things. Mm-hmm. But the foundation, uh, always, you know, checking in with that foundation level of what's the word saying to me today? What's God saying through his word? What's God saying through his spirit? Walking with him, keeping in step with the spirit, like Paul said in Galatians 5. Uh, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I mean, any and every season, there's going to be the ones that you obviously that you feel like, man, this is mountaintop. I'm, right before I left the Oaks, it felt a bit like mountaintop at, at certain mm. moments. And I was like, this is great. I love my team. I love what we're getting to do. And I love that season. Um, but then there are the seasons you go through valleys where my mom had cancer or where wow. I I stepped into not knowing what I was going to do. I didn't have any income. Seasons that feel more like valleys, but but either way, you know, contentment, right? Paul talked about yeah. contentment being the secret. And, and that doesn't just happen because you choose, like, I'm just going to be content today. That happens for me by continually pouring into the scriptures and remembering where my hope comes from, where, where you know, where real life is found. So, mm. my gosh, just don't, don't stop doing that, you know, ever, uh, especially wow. in the down seasons. 
you know, now that you have the opportunity to really step into anything, you've always been passionate about discipling worship teams and raising up leaders. And, you know, you took a big step into that uh, with some of the retreats that you've done. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, share just about the heart behind 12-1 and what, what does it look like to disciple worship leaders, to disciple, you know, worship teams and raise up you know, you talked about the next generation at, at the Oaks, how they're so passionate about that. With with your ministry, what does that look like? How do you how do you disciple worship teams? Um, and just share some of the heart behind twelve one. Yeah, so it's twelve one comes from Romans twelve one, which if you're a worship leader, that's a verse that you probably should have memorized. But it's just <laughs> it's it's literally the definition of worship. Paul actually says it. This is what true and proper worship is. It's not uh, too fast songs and too slow, but it's it's uh, offering your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, I mean, I can't overstate how important it is for us to be grounded in that definition, especially in the day and age that we live in. And I think as I stepped out of local church ministry for a little bit and took a big picture view of uh, church and worship, um, like many that have gone before me, I, I couldn't help but think, man, there needs to be voices pouring back into the church that are constantly mm-hmm. reminding worship leaders, hey, don't don't forget what this really is all about. You know, don't get lost in the minutia, the secondary details of, oh, what if we went into this song and had this set? And what if we had these lights and all? Like, don't get lost in all of that. That, that stuff's not bad, but don't get so lost and consumed by it that you forget why you're you're doing what you're doing and what it is you're really doing and and what it is you're really pastoring people towards you're you're trying to help people offer their bodies to God not just their their songs and so i i mm. was um i felt impressed with that Romans 12:1 and i i have wrestled with what it really is you know do i call it discipleship or mentorship um i i don't love those things necessary, those words necessarily, because really more than anything, what I feel like I'm doing is just facilitating relationships and conversations. Um, mm. I, I do think there is a level of discipling that happens depending on different levels of faith. I can pour into someone and just encourage them. Hey, how, what are you hearing from the Lord lately? You know, I mean, have you, are you plugged into the word of God? So there's some discipleship that happens there, but mostly because I'm working with worship pastors, um, they're, they're being discipled by the Holy Spirit, you know, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how much of that I'm doing. Um, Mentorship also feels the same way where I'm like, I don't really know if I have some level of expertise that I could offer someone as much as I just want to have conversations and just mm-hmm. be a just be a sounding board for other worship leaders where we can work together and help uh, solve problems and just encourage one another iron sharpen iron and so yeah I've, I've done some retreats it's it's all been really under the radar um, I don't even currently have a website for it because it's just not that's not been in the cards for me it's mm-hmm. more it's mm-hmm. more of I'm reaching out to to friends and connections that I have and just, Hey, you want to be involved in this kind of a group where we'll have a retreat. And then for a year or so, we'll have regular conversations just where we can stay in contact. And man, some really great encouragement has come out of that. Not just, uh, for the people involved, but for myself, man, I've had Mm -hmm. so many encouraging moments where I've been encouraged, um, in my own walk with the Lord. 
So it's much more about heart than it is about, you know, tech stuff. But yeah. we, we, but at the same time, we do get to share technical things that people are doing that are helpful for them. Yeah. I hear a lot of like worship leaders talking about it's either or, right? You know, it's like you either lean a lot on the excellence conversation and you're talking about, you know, the latest gear, latest tracks, latest ways to you kind of up your game musician wise. But then on the other side of it, it is the heart issue. And, and as you said, worship comes down to, I mean, I, I love John four, you know, where Jesus has that conversation with a woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And then he says the famous verse, you know, about spirit and truth. Those who worship mm-hmm. the father have to worship in spirit and truth. And so obviously it can't just be one side or another. It's got to be a both and conversation. How do you keep the balance of, Hey, we need to keep people first. I mean, we're, we're not pastoring songs, we're pastoring people. So how do you keep that first? And then how do you also kind of sh- sharpen your skills and make sure that you're not, is it like, um, I don't know if you compartmentalize in your, in your thought process or if it's just like a both end all the time. I mean, how do you prioritize relationships and make sure that you're growing in your skill set, Clayton? I, I think that heart, uh, making sure that you're communicating priority, constantly communicate priority, uh, the heart of what we do. Uh, right mm-hmm. now I'm taking, you know, and I'm new here at Calvary, but one of the first things I thought we should do, we had a, a luncheon uh, with the whole team and I, and I paid for all of their meals uh, and, well, the church did. And I um, <laughs> sat with all of them and just shared my heart for worship. I shared about Romans 12.1. I said, this is what worship is and this is where we start mm. from. That doesn't mean we're not going to focus on excellence and getting better at our craft and all that, but that is second. First is heart. And if, and if they just constantly know that, the next thing we did is we started going through uh, How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. So and good. We're in the middle of that conversation where every week we meet together as a team and we're going through that book, just discussing it. And I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, that, that stuff, it, it just keeps the heart part of worship first and the sacrifice part, mm. it will just coming at it with that being the priority. And um, yeah, so there will be times where we have to focus on craft, um, but just uh, making sure that that's, that that has the appropriate foundation. That's up, yeah. uh, you know, that's up to the worship leader, the worship pastor to, to constantly communicate, over-communicate those things. And then having, not being afraid to have those conversations with the people in your circle how are you doing? How's your spiritual life? Uh, being aware, having your antenna up. Um, one of the things that I was trying to stay aware of uh, was how often I didn't hear people talking about Jesus compared wow. to compared to um, you know, just listening to conversations in my team. If they were always mm-hmm. about music or artists or worship leaders or, you know, they're always scrolling Instagram, looking at new guitars or gear or whatever, I, but I never hear them or see them communicating or posting just about Jesus or, or scriptures. Mm. I'm like that, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to judge, but at the same time, it's kind of my place. Judge isn't the right word. It's, it's my place to evaluate. Just accountability. accountability it's accountability, yeah. exactly. To hold them accountable to, this is our standard. If we're going to lead worship for the church, we're leading wow. the way in sacrifice. We're leading the way in offering our bodies. Are you offering your body? 
Is it appropriate for me as your worship pastor to ask you that? If I feel like you're not in some way, wouldn't you want to know so that you don't get uncomfortable in this position? Because we're always going to be talking about this. This is who we are. This is what we do. And if we don't bring this to the church, we're selling the whole church short of an actual vibrant living relationship with Jesus. And we're giving them the crumbs of just Sunday morning entertainment or feels or emotional response. And that is just, I've said it for years, Sunday morning worship is the absolute easiest form of worship there is in the world. Just to come in and sing and feel good, that's easy worship. And I know that's Mm. not, it's not always easy to do that, but in terms of worship, that's the easiest because honestly, worship as a whole is a life of obedience, sacrifice, laying your life down for the Lord. And it, and it, more often than not, it can be a challenging and uncomfortable for us. So, you know, Sunday morning is the party. It's the icing on the cake. And, um, wow, you know, it's, it's enriching and life-giving, and it should be. But our worship team needs to, our worship leaders need to understand that uh, it's, it's, it's our whole life, and it's not just those mornings. And uh, just keeping that in front of them and being willing to call them out on it a little bit in love not being afraid to coach them. Well, and I think what you, what you preface that with the idea of just relationship, you know, like building relationship, you build that trust mm-hmm. um, with your team. And then you do have the voice um, to say, Hey man, I just noticed like lately um, it seems like you've just kind of been distant or, you know, yeah. and I think that's the whole thing where it's like so many times it's just easy for us to be focused on the task that we forget. Like, man, everything we do in ministry is about people. Jesus was about people. And, you know, everything that he did came out of that first up being filled in the presence of his father. Then he poured out all day and he did it with 12 guys mostly, you know, like, and, and I think the biggest thing for us as worship pastors, worship leaders and worship teams is to make sure that that relationship component doesn't take a back seat to just getting your music fix, you know, like, oh, oh man, yeah. I, I wish I could play in a band, but you know, I'm going to do the worship team instead. And I think, you know, the greatest way as leaders that you can establish that is by having I don't know if it's like a a monthly checkpoint or just even one of the things that we did uh, in my time at National Community was, you know, we would start off every rehearsal and it was simple, 10 to 15 minutes, just a, hey, how's everybody doing? You know, hey, here's this scripture that we're kind of leaning into this week, Mm -hmm. um, giving other people the opportunity to lead devotionals, to lead prayers. And it just kind of sets the temperature of the whole rehearsal. And I tell you, I could always notice a huge difference in the rehearsals that we didn't start off in relationship and we just went straight for the music and it was just like a train wreck. But the ones where we're like, Oh, we've only got an hour and a half and we got to get through, you know, nine songs for this worship night. And, but when we start with that component of like, man, this is what it's all about. It's about this team, um, living out our worship. And then the Sunday expression is just out of the overflow of where we've been living Monday to Saturday. Right. Right. And, um, yeah, That's I mean, awesome. speak speak some more to that because I think well, you know whether whether it's team nights or the the luncheons, like you just said, it's so simple. But it time instills value. So whenever you give up, you know, time to people, you're saying, "Hey, I value you. I'm I'm present here for this moment," and that's what builds relationship. What do you, uh, yeah, you were saying something. It was so good. Well, well, um, my past old pastor, Pastor Scott Wilson, talked about. Um, 
leadership uh, and trust it's t- it's equal parts relationship and respect in when it comes to leadership mm. so the the whole push for excellence and striving like challenging people to to be prepared and all that um that that earns a bit of respect but but respect without relationship you're just a kind of a dictator so it doesn't work wow but if you have just relationship with no respect I mean, they'll love you, but they're not going to be willing to follow you into new territory um, because they're, you know, they'll love you. So good. And so So I've always appreciated that. But I think you talking uh, about trust is key. And I I could come into this place, you know, I'm so new here. I'm getting to know people. If I came in guns blazing, like you guys are all you all need to grow. You're, you're so far behind or <laughs> it'd be so stupid of me. <laughs> I, there's not trust there yet. Trust takes time to yeah. build and leaders need to be wise with, with how we have these conversations. So, so far right now, everything for me is very like group oriented and, and every now and then some one-on-ones where I can just get to know people, not necessarily a whole lot of challenge yet. Just trying to gauge where the trust level is before we can start getting into those deep conversations. But um, man, what I, what I do think happens a lot in, in our church culture today is that we steamroll our volunteers with our mm. push for excellence and incredible Sunday morning experience for the congregation. And, and we do it in the name of, of, you know, reaching our community. Like we've got to have the best service you could possibly have because we're trying to reach people. And you forget that the people that are on your team are just as much a part of the vision as the community is. So and, good. And so Pastor Scott also would say to us, um, people are not the machinery to accomplish your vision. People are the vision. Don't ever wow. use the people on your team as machinery. They'll feel that and you'll burn them out and you'll kill the trust that you have with them. And, mm. uh, and you won't, you won't be able to lead them beyond anywhere after that. And I see that happening where the focus is so high on production. It's like, no, let's run that. Let's, you know, our rehearsal goes three hours because we just don't, it's like three hours. Wow. Eventually you just need to let go and let God, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry if it's going to, if it's going to be imperfect, maybe that is a good place to be. I think Paul said something about, you know, being imperfect is, is actually an okay place. It's not that you don't try for excellence, mm. but stop steamrolling people out of your quest for a perfect production, um, you know, and spend more so time, spend with, you know, you talk about balance and the tension between excellence and, um, you know, spiritual growth or discipleship. Um, mm-hmm. I guess if you're going to focus on excellence, be excellent first in spiritual growth and then let the other things maybe be more like 40% or 30%. I would wow. say it's not an equal balance. I would say yeah. let's focus on heart and pour into people. And then, you know, as a side note, let's help them with their musicianship. You know, it's interesting, like last night I was doing a devotional with our kids and we were, we were talking about the story, uh, Mary and Martha. And I mean, this is a famous one, right? You know, Martha's kind of running around and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I almost, I've never thought of this until you just said that, Clayton, where it was like, this is almost like production versus presence. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Martha's like, oh my gosh, the meal has to be perfect and the table has to be set and everything has to be picked up and neat. And mm-hmm. Mary's like, uh, actually, what if we just got to know Jesus a little bit more? And yeah. I've never put that correlation to leading worship or a worship service, but I don't think there could be a better one where it's like, you know, Jesus said, you know, Mary's chosen what's best. And I think, I think so many times, yeah, you're right. Like it's easy for us in our staff role even to say, you know, Hey, this is, this is, you know, we're getting paid for us. And I know there's volunteer worship leaders listening. Um, and so not everybody is in that same boat, but when you're on a staff role, I mean, this is your job in in a sense. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's easy sometimes when you have, I mean, you know, volunteer culture and we, we, we have that at destination. Now I had it at, uh, bridges and then we had it at, uh, national community church. And it's like, man, people are giving up their time, their talent and, and their treasure to sow into this ministry, to help people connect with the presence of God. It's so important what you just said yeah. to, to love them to build relationship and not to steamroll them, man. Like, gosh, that is, that's uh, worth the price of admission right there. Man, I, I, the other day I came, I stepped into my office. It was first thing in the morning and, you know, I'm, I'm getting back in the saddle still and I come into the office and I just got stuff to carry. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to spend the first little bit in prayer and just being with the Lord. But the first thing I saw was a bill on my desk from CCLI. Um, and, and, not a big deal. We all pay those bills. Hopefully we're supposed to, <laughs> but it just hit me like, ah, oh, this is the stuff that th- this is kind of, this isn't a big deal, but it reminds me of all of the stuff that comes with church business. That's kind of the reason why I felt like I needed the reset. And so yeah. it was this new touch of that stuff that I'm like, I know I have to do this. And I'm not going to throw rocks at it. It's it's light. It's the world we live in. And, and sure. I want to be excellent in it. But at the same time, sometimes I would just assume, just throw everything out and say, can we all just spend uh, the next bit of, of our life seeking God and getting on our face and seeking him? Like, we need you, Lord. We we have all of the, the books and resources and... Um, programs and initiatives that you could possibly want to make worship culture amazing. And it just feels like we get inundated with that stuff and we have all the the tools and resources. And it's like, I, I, I'm thankful for it on one hand, but I just can't help but feel this hunger deep inside of me that's like, at least for here where I'm plugged in at Calvary mm-hmm. um, and maybe beyond in the church and church wide, let's let's just get back on our faces and seek the heart of God. I'm so hungry for that, Mm. that I can't help but feel like this isn't just about equal parts balance. This is about swinging a little more extreme in the direction of God, we need you. We desperately need you because Jesus is coming soon and the bride has to be ready for the groom. And, and we don't want anybody in our communities to miss out on, on Jesus. And, and, um, Mm. and the other thing is that I don't, I just don't think I can make him any more attractive than he already is. And so to put so whoa, much... Whoa, 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 pause on that. Say that again. I don't think I can make Jesus any more attractive than he already is. When you, when you look at scripture and you read the wow. gospel and you read um, what, what Paul wrote and what the authors uh, inspired by God wrote in scripture, I mean, this is why I came to him in the first place. I didn't come to him because I saw some preacher or some worship leader, 
you know, if I did, it was I, it was him that I was seeing in them. But I I look at the scriptures and I see the story and I and it was the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart and I'm thinking this is better than anything the world could ever offer. Wow. So if I can start from that place as a worship leader, it helps me remember. It it doesn't mean don't try to be excellent even with your musicianship. It just means my heart is this. Jesus is the most attractive thing you could ever want or need or desire in in all of mm. life. Mm. I know that, I believe that. All I want to offer people in my community is Jesus. I, I care about the music being good as long as the heart of it is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. People need to see Jesus. I don't need them to leave this place thinking about how special I am. I don't want I don't want that. I wow. want, and I don't want our team to feel that way either. Our heart constantly communicating. Our heart is this: we want people to leave church Sunday morning so caught up in how beautiful, wonderful, and awesome the Lord is that He is all they can think about. And and if I can help them get to that place, that's that means I'm doing my job. But if they're walking out, um, you know, thinking about how how cool our how right, great our right, music right. sounds and how cool our production is there. Gosh, we I missed I, it. We missed it. Totally missed it. I feel like, mm. what am I leading them to? I'm leading them to me. I'm leading them to, uh, I, I could go on, but I just, it, the That's heart, so good. the heart is so important right now. It's, it's hard for me to talk about anything else. Wow. You know, it's interesting there. There's just so much in there. You know, one of the questions I ask every everybody on the podcast is, what does it mean to be spirit-led? How do you cultivate that? Um, but I think listening to your heart, listening to, you know, what you just shared, I mean, I'm going to be chewing on that for a while. I don't think I can make Jesus any more attractive than he already is. I think that's it. Because um, what did Jesus say? Uh, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men to me. And if, and if that's our goal in, in a church service is to see people enter into relationship with Jesus, to worship Jesus for the king that he is, um, who else could we lift up yeah. than, than the son of God? And I think, you know, when it comes to being spirit led, I mean, you've mentioned several times throughout the podcast, just your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, the disciples, worship leaders, um, just one one last thing uh, in our in our closing minutes here. How do you cultivate a life that is being discipled by the Holy Spirit? Is it you know I had you um, contribute to Worshipology, the books that that's coming out this fall, and you 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 closed uh, the chapter on prayer, mm-hmm. and you just I love what you wrote. Uh, I think it's going to challenge a lot of people, but. Um, you know, in your songs, even there's this element of the Holy Spirit weaving in and through the lyrics. And, and I've had the, the joy of leading worship with you and being led in worship uh, by you. And, and man, you you just operate with you can tell that you're you're lockstep barrel with the Holy Spirit. Um, there's an anointing on your life. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. What would you say to to the worship leaders listening um, about being spirit led in your life and in your worship. Yeah, well, I, I think being spirit-led as a worship leader is simply, there, there's no special formula or technique other than just being spirit-led as a person. And mm. so there's not like, oh, well, as a worship leader, here's the trick for that. It's, no, that you're, what you're seeing, when you, when you encounter spirit-led worship leaders, like um, some, of, some of my 
people that I, I like to follow and worship. And I can just tell, man, these are people walking with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not that they've learned some technique in how to do that on a platform or in front of a camera with a microphone. It's just that they're actually walking with them every day. And wow. I know that's really simplistic, but thank God it's simple. You know, yeah. it's not complex. Yeah. You don't have to be qualified, certified, licensed, nothing. You don't have, all you got to do is just do life with him. And that's really all he, he wants to do with you is just, let's just do this together, you know? And mm. right, right then and there, once you've made that decision, you've got everything you need. And, and I know that there are things that are helpful. So I'm not saying that, um, the, the, the books we read and the conferences we go to and the teachings we hear aren't going to help us. They're going to encourage us in that. But really, just walking with the Holy Spirit is enough. And Jesus himself said it to his disciples that he said, I'm about to leave, guys, but I'm going to tell you it's better that I go. Mm. And I, I'm trying to, every time I read that, I'm trying to process. That's from John like 14 or 15, 16, yeah. something. yeah. Every time I read that, I'm trying to process how in the world would it ever be better on earth for Jesus to leave <laughs> people? Like, what if Jesus was right. still here? Because he totally could be. He could be a 2,000-year-old dude walking around who's conquered death. And that would be amazing. I'd be following him everywhere. But he told them, it's better that I go. And why? Because if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I do go, I will send you the Holy Spirit does does your relationship with the Holy Spirit seem like it's better than if Jesus was actually present on the earth today? Wow. I think that's a good question to ask. And what is your relationship with the Holy Spirit supposed to look like? For me, it's just constantly staying in conversation with Him as often as I can remember to, you know, when I'm walking down the hall, when I've got a project I'm working on, when I'm in a meeting. When I'm on prayer walks around the church, sometimes I try to do that as often as possible. I'm just praying in the Spirit, listening for His voice, singing in the Spirit, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, just mm -hmm. staying staying engaged. And so I, I, there's no other formula. There's no technique. It's just doing life with Him and, and inviting Him into that, into that space, uh, every decision you make. So... Uh, there's so wow. much more I could say, but I don't, I don't want to belabor it. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> Clayton, Clayton, I, I, there's just so many nuggets in today's conversation and I'm going to be chewing on for a while. I feel like I had my morning coffee, but I wasn't ready for this, man. Like, wow. So good. And, um, for everybody that's listening, we're going to post, uh, a link to Clayton's latest record. It's phenomenal. Uh, Clayton's an incredible songwriter and, uh, his albums always, uh, just lead me into a, a great place with the Lord. And so we'll put some uh, links to that in the show notes. Clayton, thank you so much for being on Worshipology, man. Love you. Thank you, Curtis. I really, really love and appreciate not only our friendship, but the way that you follow the Lord and inspire His church. You're awesome. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.